stand. Lord, we pray that you'd be glorified most of all and all the focus and all the attention would be upon you. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Luke 18, we, last week we talked about the parable of the persistent widow, how she would not give up. She kept coming back, kept coming back, kept coming back. The unjust judge got tired of hearing her, so he wanted to you know, keep her quiet and get rid of her, so he finally gave her what she wanted. But Jesus said, Luke 18, 1, we should always pray and not to lose heart. We said people do lose heart when their prayers are not answered in the way that they should, when their prayers are not answered in God's timing. People tend to lose heart. We are very, we live in a very impatient society today. Prayer was never something to inflict guilt on people. Prayer was something to remove the guilt from people and to bring peace. So this lady kept coming back. The contrast between this unjust judge, because the Bible says he didn't regard man, he didn't fear God. He didn't care about God, and he didn't care about man. But the woman, the contrast here is God is not like this unjust judge. God is the opposite. God doesn't care how many times you come back. And God is not offended if you come back 100 times a day. God's offended when you don't come back at all. You see, we can't do this thing by ourselves. Now, I know a lot of people have tried and are very frustrated, but you can't do this by yourself. And you are not in this thing all by themselves. We also covered last week, Luke 18, verse 9, that the, the parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee, Luke 18, 9, we know the Pharisees, Luke 18, 9, they, they trusted in themselves. You already got problems right there. They trusted in themselves that they were righteous. They trusted in their own righteousness, not God's righteousness. You can't, you can't save yourself. You can't save yourself. One man recognized his sin the tax collector, which people hated in those days. They hated tax collectors. He was the lowest of the lowest. But the religious man was Pharisee. He was a religious man, but he was lost. But only one man recognized his sin and was willing enough to admit it and confess it. And the Bible says he was the one that went down justified. The other man did not. They both should have went down justified. But it says that one person trusted in his own righteousness. You know, you can't, you can't trust in your own righteousness. There's no righteous, there's none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.10. Well, why does bad things happen to good people? Well, because there are not no good people. Even the law could not make people righteous. It was sent to point out sin and to point us to Christ. As Galatians says, the law was our tutorer to bring us to Christ. Even if someone could keep it, which they couldn't, the law 
was a curse. James 2.10 says, if anyone breaks one part of the law, he breaks it all. No one could keep it. But the Bible says Christ is the end of the law to everyone that believes. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. The just shall live by faith. So here we got two men go up to the temple to pray, and one came down justified and the other one didn't. One man knew his sin, he recognized his sin, and he beat on his chest and he asked for God's mercy. And the other person, he was full of himself. He was full of pride. He was a sinner just like the other person was. But only one went down justified. Justified means what? To be declared righteous before God. When you put your faith in Christ, he imputes his righteousness to you. It's not, Paul said, not righteousness by the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Can you believe that? When you put your faith in Christ, he declares you righteous. That means right standing with God, as though you have never sinned. Uh, Mark's gospel. Uh, well, we're reading Luke chapter 18, verse 18. There was a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? There's no one good but, but one, that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. And he said, verse 21, All these things I have kept from my youth. So Jesus heard these things. He said to him, you still like one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven and come follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful for he was very rich. Hmm. When Jesus saw that he became very sorrowful, he said, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard it said, well, who can be saved? But he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. And he said to them, surely I say to you, there's no, there's no one who has left his house or parents or brother or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come to eternal life. The synoptic gospels, synoptic gospel, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all presented this rich young ruler. Mark chapter 10, we're going to go to Mark 10 this morning a little bit because uh, Mark puts it a little, a little more light on it. I feel Mark brought out some things that Luke, being a doctor, didn't. But Mark chapter 10. Remember last week, Jesus said, you know, he blessed the little children because parents would bring the children to the prominent rabbis in those days to be blessed. And the disciples rebuked and said, oh, these children shouldn't be bothering you, but are you too busy? But Jesus said, let the little children come to me, for such is the kingdom of God. He touched them, and he rebuked the disciples for saying that because he loved children. 
They're not a distraction. He was trying to get across that children were just as important as adults. He said we should learn from children. Children are patient. He rebuked his disciples. He announced they were, they were, we should follow their example. We are quick to forgive. Sometimes we, we tell children to behave like adults, but Jesus tells the adults to model themselves after children. They childlike spirit, that childlike spirit. A child is teachable, he's mild, forgiving, he's humble, and we can learn a lot from a child. There's no place in scripture where Jesus baptized children. There's no place here that Jesus baptized these children, for Jesus did not even baptize adults, John 4, 1 through 2. What we do here is that we don't baptize children. Uh, we dedicate children to Christ. You know, as Hannah prayed in 1 Samuel 1, when uh, she prayed for a child, and she prayed and prayed, and, and God... Uh, she said, if you give me a child, I will give him back to you all the days of his life. So finally, God gave Hannah Samuel, and Samuel gave him back to the Lord. So what we do here, we, we dedicate children to the God, and we pray for the children that God would bless the child's life, that God would direct the child's life and use the child's life and protect him, and he will grow up to serve the Lord and to live for him. There's no guarantee he will, but that's how we pray. So when a child reaches an age of accountability, uh, that is when they understand the gospel and the age of accountability, and that can vary from each child. Some child, some children uh, receive Christ as five years old, understand the gospel, while other children might be 12, 10, 15 before they really hear the gospel. So the age of accountability can mean different things. It can be uh, for different age, different ages. Some receive Christ at five, it might take others to eight, 10, 20, whatever that, whenever that child receives Christ and able to understand the gospel, he's at the age of accountability no matter what age he is. No matter what age he is, when he understands the gospel, He's at the age of accountability, and I think it's up to the parents to pray with their children. You should know when the age of accountability is. So, just how we, you know, people ask me sometimes, how do we do it? So this is how we do it. We pray with people, or with children, and we also pray for the parents. But anyway, back to the rich young rule. I just want to throw that in. We're going to go to Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 17, starting. Now, as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt down before him and asked, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? The rich ruler believed that performing some kind of uh, good works would guarantee him salvation. He did not understand that salvation is not about what one does, it's about what has already been done on the cross and to receive the finished work of Christ. In the first place, you know, in the first place, you cannot inherit eternal life. It's a free gift which comes with the acceptance of Christ. The man felt that salvation could be earned by good works. 
running to Jesus, fell down on his knees before him, and the man recognized he was missing something important in his life. Although he was rich, he was still empty. So Jesus said, why do you call me good? There's no one good. There's no one is good but one, that is God. Well, what does that mean? It means that to state that Jesus himself, he's either saying that Jesus was not good, he's saying that Jesus was not good, or he's saying that Jesus is God. I think he's claiming deity, which Jesus wanted the young man to recognize, that he was God in flesh, God incarnate, speaking to him. Of course Jesus was good, and of course Jesus was God. So he says, he fell down, and you know, he said, what can I do? So Jesus said in verse 19, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, do not be, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he said, and he answered and said to him, teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth. Of course, I don't believe that, but that's what he says. You know, people say a lot of things. There is no eternal life in keeping the commandments. Even if he had kept the commandments, it was not going to give him eternal life because the law could not give life. As wonderful as, as he is, he, he, he had not kept these commandments. And Jesus knew it. Verse 21, Jesus looking at him, then Jesus looking at him loved him and said to him, one thing you like, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven and take up your cross and follow me. But he was very sad at this word and he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. He went away sorrowful. Why? Because Jesus put his finger directly on the man's problem, which was possessions. Jesus exposed the young man's heart and wealth was this man's God. Wealth was this man's idol. He was devoted to it rather than God. Therefore, breaking the first commandment. The first commandment says, you shall not have no other gods before me. Well, this, this ruler here already, he broke that commandment right there. He said, I kept all these from my youth. No, you didn't because you broke this one. When the Bible says, you should not have no other God before me. The Bible says, where a man's treasure is, your heart will be also. Because your heart is also always going to follow your treasure, whatever that is. You cannot serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be loyal to one and despise the other. But you cannot serve God and man mammon or God in money. You can't serve them both at the same time. You're going to serve one or you're going to serve the other. So this man's problem was money that came between him and God and, and for you and me it could be something else. And only you and I can identify what that is. This man's problem was money that was keeping him out of the kingdom because money was his idol, money was his God and Jesus put his finger on that very thing that was separating him from God. The Bible said that man went away sad. Wouldn't give it up, went, went away sad. It's a lesson to us. 
We must remove all barriers in our life to serve God fully. We got to remove all barriers in our life to serve God fully. And we got to continually take inventory and see if there's anything else that has crept into our life to force him out. Because if God's not first in your life, that means something else is. And he's not going to take second place because he's a jealous God. God told a man, give up everything, come follow. He might ask you, I mean, give up your car, give, give up your house. What if God asks you to give up your car, give up your house, give up your job, give up your position, give up your promotion? Your, your reaction may show your attitude toward money. Whether money is your servant or your master. The man was to go sell his assets and to give to the poor, therefore removing all the obstacles blocking him from eternal life. Jesus gave the man a choice. And the rich man made the wrong choice. And I found out over the years that Jesus would always respect your choice. The way of eternal life, he trusted in his self-attainments, he trusted in his, he trusted in his earthly securities. Money had become his idol. The money stood between him and God, and the Lord knew that. Do you really think that the Lord wanted this man's money? The Lord could have rained down money out the sky like he did manna if he had wanted to, but he put his finger on that very thing that was stopping him from entering eternal life. The rich young man was very superficial in his view of spiritual things. He certainly had to, he had a shallow view of salvation. He thought that he could do something to, to uh, earn merit for eternal life. This was a common belief among the Jews. And it was very common in that day. Most unsaved people today think that, that God will one day add up all their good works and it will add up all their bad works and, and, and if the good outweigh the bad, they will go to heaven. A lot of people believe that. Money was his God, he trusted in his God, he worshiped it, it was, it was his idol. The rich young ruler, this, this, man was a, this man was a ruler. So Jesus told him to take up his cross and follow him which would be a humbling, a very humbling experience. When you come to Christ, you have to humble yourself because the way, <laughs> Jesus says, because the way down is up. You humble yourself, he'll lift you up. If you lift yourself up, you're gonna go down, man. As he said in Isaiah 14, you know, Satan said, I will, you know the five I wills, Satan, Isaiah 14, I will exalt myself before the high God, I will, I will. Jesus said, you're gonna be brought down to hell. You're going to be brought down to Sheol. That's what he told him. This man was a ruler. Jesus told him to take up his cross. It would be the humblest thing when you become a believer because you got to admit that you're a sinner and you're lost. Jesus offered this man the gift of eternal life and he turned it down because of money. It is difficult to receive a gift when, you, when your fist is clenched around money and the things that money could buy, he wanted to get salvation on his own terms, and he was very disappointed. And 
In the case of this rich young man, his wealth robbed him of the greatest blessing. His wealth robbed him of the greatest blessing in the world, eternal life. Money is a, is a marvelous servant and a terrible master. If you possess money, be grateful and use it for the glory of God. But if money possess you, beware, my friend. Nobody is saved, nobody is saved by selling everything he has and giving to the poor. If he had done that, that still wouldn't have saved him. Only Christ can save him. Not material things. We are saved by trusting in the Son of God. He gave everything, his life, to make us rich. He touched the soul spotted, that soul spotted the young man's life. And that Bible said he was very rich. First Timothy 6, verse 9 and 10. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men to destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil which some have strayed from the faith. Which some have strayed from the faith. In their greediness, the Bible says, in their greediness and pierced themselves with many sorrows. But you, old man, flee these things. Paul writes to Timothy, say, you, old man, flee these things. This money became a stumbling block in this person's life. Do not trust in oppression, nor vanity, hope, and robbery. If riches increase, do not set your heart on them. Psalm 62, 10. If riches increase, do not set your heart upon them. Hmm, they could be here today, gone tomorrow. Riches kept him out of the kingdom. Go and sell your property. So whether you love God more or you or your wealth more, Jesus put his finger on the thing that was separating him. This rich young ruler here, I got to thinking about this. He is, he's everything that our society values today. He was rich, he was young, and he was a ruler. But he was lost. He was empty inside. The man's priority was totally, entirely wrong. The Lord gave him a test, and he failed the test. He should have obeyed, but the Lord gave him a choice, and he respected his choice. Riches can be a problem. If we are being satisfied with riches in our life and leave Christ out. Instead of this man longing for heaven, riches in his, in his situation was an obstacle. This is why God cannot trust everybody with money. I've known so many people here in this church who work for Microsoft, making some big bucks, man. Now, when they had the trial, well, I was sticking around here after the service, praying. After the service, hey, Pastor, could you pray for me after the service? Yeah, man, that's good enough. We're going to pray. Everybody else is out here talking. We're back there praying, man. There's a lot of needs here. You look around. Some people don't see them, but I, I see them. Pastor, could you pray for me? Yeah, I pray for you, man. 
He had trials. He had marital problems. Children's rebellion. He had all of them. But got a job at Microsoft. Mr. Bill Gates out there was paying him pretty good. The guy stopped coming to church. People I know, they got a job at Boeing. Guy told me one Sunday right here in this church. He says, Joe, my, my bonus every year is $5,000. Christmas bonus. I said, hey, man, are you hiring? No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> but it took him away from Christ. While he had the, the money became a stumbling block. That's why God can't trust us with money because when God blessed people with money, he blessed people with money to bless other people. This man was sincere, though his approach to salvation was centered around works and not faith. The young man thought he, eternal life came from something that he did. When God gave him something to do, he refused to obey it. He went away sad. He wanted salvation on his own terms. So he turned and he went away in great sorrow. It is not possessing riches that keep people out of heaven. For Abraham, David, Solomon, they all were rich and they were all wealthy. It is being possessed by riches and trusting them that makes salvation difficult for the wealthy people. It gives them a false sense of security. And when people are satisfied with themselves, they feel like they have no need for God because they are rich and they trust in their money, so they feel like I can buy anything I want. I don't have a need for God. I've had people tell me that with money. They said, man, I got a nice house. I got a nice car. I've paid my kids way through college. I got enough money to last me the rest of my life. So what do I need? What, what do I need God for? I've had people tell me that. I said, because one day you're going to have to face him. And if you face him, your riches is not going to do you any good in the day of wrath, the Bible says. In the day of wrath, the riches are not going to do you any good. The rich young ruler is, is, warning, is warning to people. He wanted eternal life, but he didn't, he didn't want to change his values. He didn't want to change his lifestyle. Jesus knew that. Just because a person is rich doesn't mean that he's the biggest sinner in the whole church. You can be a rich sinner and you can be a poor sinner. Should every believer sell everything they own and come? You know, maybe God might not ever tell you to do that, but you should be willing to do it if he asks you. We could not love God and our money at the same time because it can, be a, it can be a hindrance. We ought to use the money that God has given us to further the kingdom, to further the gospel. People, some people are very generous. They know their money is going for a good cause. They know their money is going to go throughout eternity. It's going to keep lasting. It's going to keep multiplying throughout eternity. So what they do? They give. They're storing up treasures in heaven. Well, verse 23. Then Jesus looked around and said to the disciples, It's hard for those who have riches to enter the kingdom 
of God. He didn't say it was impossible. He didn't say it's because you're rich, you won't, you're automatically gonna go to hell, man, because you're rich. He, he's not saying that. So it's gonna be a lot of people, rich people that was here on this earth gonna be in heaven. And the disciples were astonished at his word, but Jesus answered and said to him, children, how hard it is for those who trust in their riches. You see that, who trust in their riches to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus paints a picture of something impossible in order to illustrate that even the seemingly impossible is possible with God. Something that seemed to be so impossible is possible with God. Since the man was trusting in riches rather than the Lord's to save him, he could, he could no more enter the kingdom of God than a camel, one of the largest animals used by the Jews, could go through the eye of a needle. Since the man was trusting in his riches rather than the Lord Jesus Christ, he could no more enter the kingdom of God than a camel going through the eye of a needle. And you know a camel, he didn't say anything impossible. This is a sewing needle. Some people say it's a small gate in Jerusalem where a camel is trying to get through this gate and one guy behind pushing and another guy in front pulling. And you take all the stuff off the camel's back and he can squeeze through this little gate. No, this here's a small, this is a real sewing needle, a real gate. But Jesus saying that no one gets to heaven by good works. That would be impossible as the camel going through the alpha needle. Those who are trusting in their riches, it is impossible as a camel going through our needle. Christ does not say that a rich man cannot be saved. He is not saying that a rich man cannot be saved, but only that for him, it is more difficult. It is more difficult for a rich man to be saved than a poor man because a poor man, he recognizes his need and a rich man doesn't. A rich man can buy whatever he wants. He can go wherever he wants. He can do whatever he wants. They say money's power. Well, they said, well, this man is rich. Now, and they were greatly stunned saying among themselves, well, who can be saved? They said, man, you know, back in those days, if you were rich, wealth was often equated with God's favor. It, it was often equated with God's blessings. What they said, man, if the rich man can't make it in, <laughs> Man, ain't no hope for, they said, well, who can be saved? If the rich man can't make it, it ain't no hope for us. We ain't got a chance. But Jesus looked at him and said, with man, it is impossible. But not with God. For with God, all things are possible. God could even save that rich man. He didn't say the man was doomed to hell because he was rich. The man in Luke 16, he, the rich man in Lazarus, you know, he, the rich man didn't go to hell because he was rich. He went to hell because he was, he was, he didn't have Christ. Those that trust in the riches, those that trust in anything else besides Christ, he says, it's just like a camel going through the eye of a needle. It's impossible. You cannot be you cannot save yourself. And you can't keep yourself safe. 
Salvation is totally of the Lord. It's a supernatural miracle that even I can't even explain. It. But it's, and it happens instantly, instantaneously, as soon as you put your faith in Christ, it happens just like that. Boom. So Jesus, I'm going to give him a little bit more advice. So Jesus answered and said, Surely I say to you, there's no one who has left brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospel. So wait a minute. He said, for my sake and the gospel. You know, you don't be like some people, they were sent and some just went. You're going to have to be having the right motives if you're going to leave your father or your mother or your sister or your brother or your lands. He said, for my sake and the gospel. If you're going to leave to serve God for those reasons, you got the right motive. But any other motives is the wrong motives. He said, for my sake and the gospels. When you're gonna go out, missionary field, you gotta go for the right motives. Just don't say I'm just gonna go. Who shall not receive, he said, verse 30, who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, brothers and sisters and mothers and children and land with persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. Your sacrifice, he's saying, here on earth is going to last throughout eternity. Throughout eternity. What you do here is going to count throughout eternity. Can you imagine? This life is going to soon end, but the things you do here will last throughout eternity. It keeps multiplying. It keeps multiplying and multiplying. Who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time? In the ages to come. Hey, you know, he said, you shall not receive a hundredfold, not in this time, houses, brothers, sisters, with persecution. I'm thinking, now why you have to put that in there? Because sometimes you'd be persecuted by your own family. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace, I came to bring a sword. And sometimes because of Jesus Christ, I have seen whole families divide. I had to do a memorial service last week and uh, the person I knew very well for 30 years asked me to give an altar call and I gave and I had people walk out on me. But you know in ministry that's going to happen. You're going to have folks walk out on you. Don't, don't take it personally. But you know, he told me, say, you know, I knew he was going to pass and he knew it and he says, hey, when you do my funeral, Memorials. I want you to do an altar call because a lot of my family is not saved. Some of the old family men didn't even speak. Some of them didn't even come. Some of them didn't even visit their father. They knew he was going to be dying and they didn't even go see him. They didn't even go visit the man. So I give the altar call and I'm seeing people walk out. I'm thinking, well, what did, I, what did I say? I mean, what did I say to offend these people? All I said, hey, if you want to see your loved one again, you got to do what he did. You got to receive Christ in your heart as your Savior, and you will see him on the, on the other side. You will see him again. You will have a family reunion. So if anyone here would like to ask Christ to come into their heart and their life, I'm willing to pray for you. See me after the service, and I'll pray with you. And I 
and I saw people get up and start walking out, I'm thinking, well, I didn't see anything wrong with that, but well, well, let's get go with the territory, right? We will receive reward when we get to heaven. We must make sure that our motives are right. Jesus will not be an adepter to no one. The blessings he gives would far outweigh material loss and persecution incurred in service for him. Yeah, sometimes there's persecution. Sometimes family members, Christians are being persecuted right now all over the world. You don't see it too much in America, but you will. It's coming because we go against the grain. Our standards are different. We are not of this world and we stand for truth and we stand for righteousness in the world. I want to hear that. So persecution is going to come to America. You see it more and more, but you'll see it more. Now, in other countries, there's persecution all the time. But in America, we don't see it yet. So Jesus said with persecution, he said, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecute me, they're going to persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. The value of this world will be reversed. Those who seek status and importance here will have no status in heaven at all. But those who humble themselves here will be great in heaven. There will be some, there will be a lot of surprises in heaven. Some people are rich and famous, they think it will get them in, but it won't. But Jesus said, for many who are first will be last, and last will be first. You might be first down here, be last up there. The rich young ruler may be the only man in the gospel who came to the feet of Jesus and he went away in worse condition than he came. And yet he has so much in his favor. He, he was a religious, insincere. How many people do you know, good people that are sincere? Being sincere is not going to get you in. You got to do something. This man was moral, he was honest, he was sincere. You know, he would probably be qualified to join the average church. Yet he refused to follow Jesus and instead went it up away sorrowful. And in spite of the fact that, that he came to the right person, asked the right questions, and received the right answer, he made the wrong decision. Why? Because he was not honest with himself. Therefore, he did not want what was commanded of him. He was super, superficial. This young man was superficial. He wanted one thing, he did another. He was, he was superficial about his sin. No doubt he tried to keep the law. In fact, this may have been the very reason why he came to Jesus. But Jesus did not quote the law to this man for, for salvation because obedience to the law does not save us if we could obey it. He held the law before him, the young man, as a mirror to reveal this man's sin. Nobody is saved by giving to the poor. Nobody is saved by giving up this and giving up that. That's all good, give up things, but it's not gonna save you. The young man was possessed by the love of money. 
terrible. How many people today are possessed by something? When Jesus gave him something to do, he refused to do it. He refused to obey. Sell all you have and come follow me. And you will have treasures in heaven. The man says, uh-uh, <laughs> not doing it. That's the thing about Christianity. You got to make a choice. You got to make a decision. Now, any other religion, you can just do whatever you go. But I'm saying, when you come to Christ, you got to say, hey, I got to make a decision. It's going to force you to make a decision. You going to say yes to the gospel, or you going to say no. But you can't be in the middle. You can't straddle the fence. You got to make a decision. Warning to the rich, don't let it be your God. So if you're rich this morning, all you millionaires out there, it's okay if you're a millionaire, but don't let it come between you and Christ. Don't let it be your identity, your security. Be willing to give it up if God asks you to. Jesus said, where man's treasure, there will be his heart. Jesus wasn't, Jesus wasn't trying to make the man miserable. He was trying to set him free. Jesus did not want the man's money. Jesus wanted the man's heart. If Jesus has your heart, he has everything else. But if he doesn't have your heart, he doesn't have anything else. But where man's treasure is, there will be his heart also. But Jesus, if Jesus has our heart, he has everything else. If Jesus doesn't have our heart, that means that something else has crept in, some idol to take our focus and our attention away from him. 